This is episode 39 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, who won Black Friday and Cyber Monday? The shifting state of fashion for 2018. And a new segment, weirdest news of the week in retail. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined by Jose Chan. Jose, how you doing? Hi, everyone. Hey, Todd. Hey, everyone. So, Jose, now that we are past the the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday stuff, and um, and all of the, the the Thanksgiving yumminess and the shopping and the overindulgences and all that good stuff, it's always time to to have a state of reckoning when it comes to uh, results, right? Absolutely. I'm going to the gym. Yes. There you go. <laughs> you go watch some uh, some Arnold Arnold videos on YouTube or some CT Fletcher and get yourself pumped up and motivated. Yes. Anyway, another podcast for that, right? Um, right. So fr- Black Friday and Cyber Monday, who won? It seems like every every person in press has their opinion on who won and who didn't and who lost and who did great and who didn't and all that good stuff. And of course, we're going to have our own opinions on that i don't think i don't know if any of them are that shocking but i I think uh you know i think it's it's pretty clear coming out of this we could categorize some of those that 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 did good and some of those that didn't sure sure i i think uh if anything to to your point it's really worth talking about just recapping um to just sometimes also corroborate what people are already thinking and it's good it's good cleansing as we begin the last let's say push to the holiday season so the first one we want to get into is one that's been on all of our radars over the past few years and they've they've come through a major resurfacing um and we thought they were all but dead maybe five years ago and uh, that's best buy so Best Buy has really had a, a heck of a turnaround over the past five years. And every single holiday season, they have impressed everybody with uh, with their with their numbers, both in store, their online numbers. And also they, they kind of paved the way to things, Jose, things like um, the buy online, pick up in store angle. They're one of the I believe they're one of the first retailers to start offering that and to do it successfully. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 not surprising that. Their their reason their reason for being a winner again this holiday is not because of you know the advertising or the marketing or the way that they're being clever with something and and in fact they've taken a completely different strategy this year instead of using those classic ad phrases of sale ending soon you've got till this time you've got till this day the blah, blah blah you know that kind of thing they do a little bit of that but they're not focusing on it as much um, they're focusing on messaging to their to their shoppers about convenience and experience so you know convenience of free shipping convenience of buy online pick up in store um, easy financing options if you want to buy that big ticket item so stuff like that i think has made a difference for people that want to buy something right yeah and to your point todd uh absolutely spot on and if you consider that's very smart on their end because if you look at a lot of the studies that we've perhaps talked about or looked at uh, over the last few months, one of the biggest things that really entices um, consumers is this free shipping, right? Uh, It it seems like it's no longer uh, nice to have, but it's almost become like a need to have, right? Well, free shipping, but fast shipping, you know? Like I, I would, you know what I mean? Like I prefer, 
you're you're right. Both is both is expected. I think though. Yeah. Exactly, Three and times. and and specifically, let's dig a little bit deeper. Specifically for their customers, the financing option would be the equivalent of what you and I would expect as free shipping, fast shipping, that right. convenience component, right? So yep. it's pretty, it, it, and it's, it sounds to me crisper than sale ends soon or limited time. Mm-hmm. And how long have we, I've heard that and you've heard that since we were children. Right, I mean, right. And, th- and this is why those days of people stampeding over each other to get to things are almost, thank God, almost over uh, because of that, right? <laughs> I mean, there yes. is really the urgency of, the urgency of Black Friday and Cyber Monday has has disappeared. It's exactly. you know, not in the sense of make it or break it, but it's more like, all right, you've, <laughs> in reality, you've got the entire month to, to shop and find these deals. So take your time. Look around. Yes. And we'll be here. <laughs> exactly. And it's been called Cyber Week by some, right? Because yeah, Cyber it, Week, Cyber Month. It, it's mm-hmm. not, in some instances, I mean, not for all retailers, but uh, obviously for, for some, uh, they still have the specials going on that continue and are pretty much called the Cyber Monday specials, yeah. even though usually what happens, right? What's interesting, traditionally in retail, um, holding Cyber Monday aside, you would take your first markdown uh, at Thanksgiving and hold it, and it's a hard markdown, right? So sales would continue from Christmas, but it's interesting that we're saying, yes, the sales continue with Cyber Monday now, um, but it's just another way of saying what actually has always been happening. Right. Right. I think, you know, maybe the next in the next episode, we should cover deeper into margins and how the, all these things affect margins. And I'm curious if if all of these these extended sales and extended discounts are are just in the end, just margin killers and revenue fluffers. I yes. don't know. We'll have, to, we'll, yeah, we'll, I, we'll have to dig into that some other. I would venture time. to say yeah. without the data yet, but you agreed we should definitely dig deeper. Yes. A- any sale, unless it's planned right uh for the margin we'll always reduce it yep. generally yep so other winners uh we got best buy there uh no brainer amazon we don't even need to say anything who <laughs> <laughs> yeah enough said um anyway um mobile so jose tell us about mobile wow well that it's a pretty big one this year so according to adobe uh, mobile drove um, 54% of visits and 30%, 37% of digital revenue. And it's interesting, right? Because if you think about this time last year when you and I were talking about this, uh, mobile was not above 50% at that time. Uh, the big news then was that mobile was growing, but now it is clearly the place where people are going to uh, in terms of visits. Um, and it's also trending with the revenue, right? Revenue isn't above 50% yet, but it's still 30%, 37% digital revenue, whereas you think a few years ago, it wasn't even there. That That is a big, that's, I think, probably a, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story uh, for a winner. Yeah, I would agree. I know we probably both have our unique experiences over the past week of buying a few things on mobile. Um but what's what's even what's even weirder, and I don't understand why this is. Maybe you can explain this to me, Jose. But I found a our, our other winner, um, this other winner we have on the list here, and not to be the last of the bunch, but small retailers, uh, meaning independent retailers, perhaps, mm-hmm. or just not the big boxes, not the major brands. 
Um, but again, to um, Adobe Data, we will link this, by the way, to everybody. We will link this Adobe Data, Adobe um, data set that we have that we're pulling some of these numbers from. Small retailers, which are considered under 10 million in annual revenue, they saw 30% higher conversion rates on smartphones than larger retailers, which is weird to me. Like, I, wa I want to know an example of what this would be because I usually only use, I usually when I'm, I don't know if that means things like, no, it wouldn't mean things like Etsy or anything. It would mean legit smaller retailers, but I'm mm -hmm. also wondering what type of experience that is for the shopper, you know? I, I, yeah, it's a really good point, right? I, I, I can't really say um, what type of experience it would be. My best guess, which is all it would be, talking at the at the high level would be that they probably don't have the same resources that the big stores have or big retailers have, but that doesn't really matter. I think the key really, the heart of this, why um, did they see this higher conversion rate? Well, the key to this is, look, as we're always talking about big retailers, I think a niche market that is often overlooked are these smaller retailers that offer special product, yeah. right? Things that you can't get. I mean, we get tired, you and I or anyone else listening to this podcast gets tired of going into uh, our favorite stores that are not small retailers and looking at the products and we know the brands that are there. So every once in a while, they might have a different brand there that we might want to try out. But when you're going into a smaller retailer, you're probably talking about, you know, maybe a mom and pop. Uh, what we would call a mom and pop, but it's really like a uh, privately owned uh, smaller retailer, maybe mm -hmm. has two, three stores. And the product that they offer and the service that they offer is so much more personalized, right? It, it could be a uh, product that you won't find anywhere else. And it could be service that it's kind of like um, being back in a small town where people actually know your name and you're actually having real conversations rather than chasing people around to help you. Right. And that all explains the higher conversion rates. Um, you know, <clears throat> shoppers are going there to find something that they're looking for and they know what they want. That retailer might be, um, I don't know, they might only sell uh, cell phone covers or something or cell phone cases, um, sure. you know, for your smartphone. And it's a really well-known brand to those in that niche of, you know, of technology, but they're not you know, they're, they're not a Logitech. They're not a, you know, they're not a, they're not a Best Buy. They're nothing of that sorts, but they're a known entity and people know to go there. When they go there, they know what they're going to buy. And if it's in stock, they're going to buy it. So, uh, it's, yeah, I think you're right. And and that combined with the experience of if there is a storefront to go in there and actually feel like, um, it's not aisles and aisles of, you know, seas of products, then yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and if you think about, so to be a little bit more concrete to add, <laughs> Um, more, let's say, color to what you're saying, because I agree with what you're saying, is think of retailers like Story. They punch above their weight. It's one store, literally one store, but you, you always hear about Story because they're essentially mm -hmm. um, creating an environment uh, that is about a theme and it changes, right? So, so that makes it experiential. Uh, you have retailers that I think we may mention, Perch, uh, that gives you an experience right? Uh, and it need, need not be those, but those are just examples of the type of, um, let's say, special experience and or product that they'll offer uh, to consumers. And that's what pulls me in. Sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, okay, I, I can't say that I, I shop smaller retailers mobile. I do shop smaller retailers. 
uh, for special items. And it's usually um, in person, just because I like that experience and feeling, wow, feeling special, right? Yep. I, which I, I don't feel <laughs> when I go to a big store. If I'm going to a big store, I, I'm just essentially going there to transact, uh, to try on, um, or that's it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. There's some that don't mind that like me. So, um, there's definitely, there's <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> uh, all right. So lose losers. All right, losers. Uh, you're up next here. So we've got, we've got two losers, uh, at one, uh, it makes me a little sad. It kind of pivots off what you're saying right there is the in-store traffic, in-store traffic in stores. So people over the past week ish, well, I would say that week of, uh, the black Friday week ish, cyber Monday timeframe, uh, in-store traffic dropped compared to last year. Uh, not a lot, but it's still, they, it dropped. It dropped a combined 1.6% on those days over last year. And Black Friday visits alone decreased less <clears throat> less than 1% when compared to Black Friday 2016. And this is all according to data collected by ShopperTrack, who's a retail analytics company. So, sure. yeah, I mean... It's lower, and it, there were there were murmurings out there. You know, I, I got to be honest. I mean, there were there were murmurings out there over on social media. You know, you see people saying random things, and um, and you know, I kind of picked up a few vibes of the oh, you know, stores seem a little empty, or oh, there's so many great deals online. I don't even need to go in the store, or you know, mm -hmm. it's great not to have the crowds this year, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I got to wonder if that had something to do with it, but it also just could have been hearsay silliness. Who knows? No, I, I think, look, that, that's valid, but let's look uh, at the data, right? I mean, I, I don't have the data in front of me, but let's just um, make... Sorry, we can just make uh, it up. I mean, what else do we do here, Jose? It's a podcast. We'll make it up. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, let's take an educated <laughs> guess. <laughs> and, and, and throw a hypothesis in there. And yeah, yeah, we yeah, could I get you. Debunk it, right? Yep. What's really happening here? So think, I, I don't know who is, tr what their tr retailers they're tracking, Right, but my best guess would be that there, it's disproportionately uh, large retailers, right? Mm -hmm. be because there's more data on them, and it's easier to to bake them into a business model because ShopperTrack has been around for a while. So let's assume it's the large retailers. So we already know that the large retailers are actually uh, a bigger part. Let's assume that they're a bigger part of this study. That means that they have store closures, and we know that they're taking the disproportionate amount of the store closures. So you have store closures that are not even there, so that would account for part of that fall. Um, moreover, if they're tracking mostly um, bigger retailers, then you know that, uh, that they are having issues across yeah, the I got to wonder, you're right, that, that store closures thing is an interesting point because... I'm I'm just you, you got to kind of assume that they're trying to do an apples to apples thing here. Right? I mean yes. I I doubt I I really w I doubt that they would actually consider that the the stores that were closed also meaning no, no, they same amount of stores year over year, right? They have to somehow be able to balance that number and weight it. Exactly. That but that's my point. That that yeah. that's where there's there there might be somewhat of a discrepancy because I, I mean yep. you wouldn't count let's if I had 100 stores last year and now I have 90 right. yes I would not count those 10 from last year but that of course would bring my number down and right yeah if I were to wait it uh, how do I wait it is the question yep. if big if yep agreed agreed 
And, and the other loser we have, and I just realized we just pretty much declared Omnichannel as loser. Uh, websites. And we don't mean all websites, <laughs> but websites were sort of losers. Um, meaning that there was a few major brands slash department stores slash specialty retailers slash like a home goods type store. Uh, they had website crashes, downtime, and they had transaction processing outages like all over the place during the week, the weekend of uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And there's nothing, there is nothing in this world of retail that will piss off the shopper more than sitting there and seeing that 404 error or, oops, sorry, we can't complete this right now. Something must be wrong on Rebecca and we're going to go alert the blah, blah, blah. I mean, all those things will make us go insane yeah. and lose our minds, which exactly. happened over social. And some of those tweets are hilarious. Uh, but yeah, and there and there was a certain retailer in this mix that really didn't need that bad press. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, some websites were losers. I, I would agree. And it almost sounds like what you're describing there, because you sometimes see the error message in that 404. Mm. It's kind of like a breakup. It's not, it, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, well... Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's anger-inducing, that's for sure. So For sure. Um, and but, then you just jump right over to uh, Amazon or someone else that might have that same product and go from there. And but, to, to your point, think about it. I mean, but this is exactly what's going on in the evolving landscape, right? As you mentioned, the omni-channel and business is being traded over from brick and mortar to the digital world. Um, the digital world is not ready to take on the, the traffic uh, that's been taken on just yep. because they're adapting still, right? So so this is part of what's been going on with overcapacity is what's really going on here. Yep. Agreed. So let's let's move away from that. So we, we see we see the, the winners and losers. They are what they are. There's plenty more winners and unfortunately plenty more losers. But I got to say, I think there was more winners and losers. There was a lot of good experiences, a lot of things that happened that impressed everyone, I think, in the wall street side of things and the number crunchers and the podcasters sure. obviously the press out there but we thrive on the goof ups and <laughs> and i would never want to be in their shoes for those situations and we all know they're trying their best doing their thing but sometimes it's just not enough and sure. uh, we saw that with uh, some uh, some of the website problems and one last point on the positive note yeah. before we leave this this particular segment yep. if you think about the overall landscape right and you look at the actual NRF uh, forecasted numbers for December 31, 2017, retail is expected to grow overall this year versus last year. So retail overall, uh, generally, um, forgetting the winners and losers, is alive and well. It's expected to grow between 36 to 4%, number one. And two, after, for the winners at least, Wall Street stocks shares even if it was for a short time went up for a little bit for yeah. the publicly traded companies that's awesome no need for any retail apocalypse conversation anymore i wish it would stop so anyway let's move on topic number two uh the shifting state of fashion for 2018 so uh jose we ran over some data on uh, the business of fashion it was a, a joint report by the business of fashion and mckinsey consulting firm uh and they issued this report that is essentially indexing forecast sales for the industry, which is retail. And it was talking about growth numbers. It's talking about influencing factors across the way and the big things that will come and the things that are happening right now. What did you take out of this? Because, you know, we're not going to dig too deep into this because this is like a 45-page report. 
But we want to pull sure. out some of these major things for, for our listeners here, right, to see, well, here's here's the major factors uh, as to what's what's impacting us in retail in 2018. And, you know, we get a lot of listeners that are force uh, with some of the major retailers out there. So maybe they'll get some tips from this and we can link where to download this report uh, in the show notes too. Absolutely. So big ideas that come out of this report. Um, it, one, I would say that they have three general sections that are global economy, consumer ships, the fashion system. So I, I think one of the major ideas uh, would be under consumer shifts, which is getting personal, right? Which is personalization, curation will become more important to the consumer, right? And testament to this is kind of what we talked about earlier, smaller stores. I'm not saying it should be smaller stores, but they're more effective right now than the larger retailers at, at curating. And, you know, tech could be used here as well, curating online experiences, et cetera. But it, it's not only online, as we know. That's one big idea. Yep. Uh, another big idea, and please feel free to chime in at an important no, you time. Go. You go. I'll jump in when I need to. Okay. Uh, the next component would be, and we highlighted this, but it will continue to be more important as we go along, uh, mobile, right? Uh, consumers are moving more and more to mobile. It was obvious this last past, this Thanksgiving holiday uh, it started last Thanksgiving holiday, 2016, and that is a trend that retailers need to be aware of in order to make sure that their logistics and capacity, right? Because online, um, it, or let's say the digital realm that we also talked about mm-hmm. where you had crashes cannot happen, right? And the experience has to be clean and easy on, on mobile phones. So that's second. Other thing that's a big trend and we'll be talking about this in, in a few weeks, is um, AI gets real. So essentially, artificial intelligence uh, and everything under it, machine learning, becoming a much more important component of retailers, let's say, uh, offerings, everything from chatbots to we've seen Alexa uh, from Amazon and everything in between, uh, to inventory optimization, et cetera, becoming more important. And then lastly is startup thinking, right? So essentially because there are so many innovations and there's so much change, right now the evolution that we're uh, saying, and I like what you said, which is, uh, Todd, let's not talk about the retail apocalypse. You could think of it as a retail renaissance is what we'll really go with. And you need to, larger retailers or any retailer for that fact has to, think about itself like a startup but not that it is but it ha- at least have that agile mentality in order to become what it should become and that is right. a positive place to have experiences that pleases their end consumers because ultimately if that happens everything okay. else follows in terms of increased revenues and increased margins yeah, and and I would look at this as so we're refer if if uh, you are listening, and uh, you check out our show notes. This is page twelve in the report that we're referring to, and this is something if I worked at a retailer, I would print out and put on my desk and kind of be able to refer to it because this could be a nice and, and honestly, this doesn't even I know this is about fashion, Jose, but this applies to a lot of retailers. These disruptors. So like as you were just saying, these disruptors. In those three areas one the global economy disruptors and consumer shifts and expectations 
and disruptors in the system itself. So the fashion system in this case. So what's changing in the fashion system that, you know, that that a McKinsey in the business of fashion, uh, this uh, business of fashion has noticed and some of the underlying trends of these. So, I mean, this is this could redefine the forward looking, the forward looking movement for a retailer over the next five years to say, OK, let's prioritize these things. Let's prioritize aligning with a platform like Amazon, or let's prioritize bringing in some AI to improve what we what we provide to our in-store shoppers and online shoppers. Um, you know, let's look, let's thin the herd with our stores and consider how we can be better at personalization and, and rather than rather than throwing every single item that we can sell out into a store. Um, you know, things like that. And, and, and there's obviously tons of data in this that backs up these recommendations or backs up these trends that are real, at least for fashion in this case. So it's a great, I guess the point of this segment, right, is, is that it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great resource for anyone in the retail business to be able to look at this as a driver for what they want to do over the next, uh, you know, 18, 36 months. Sure. And, and to, to add to that, Todd, not just fashion. I think it, it right. although this is titled the state of fashion, it, it could really be titled, and you could take a few sections out or specifically related to apparel. It's the state of retail. It is, yeah. Absolutely. In 2018. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, the more you look at this, uh, especially that page you were reading off of, like these these trends and the consumer expectations, it's all the same. You know, the platform, there's a bit on platforms, meaning okay, how do you know when you're going to align with a platform like an Amazon? Um, you know, there's retailers that have lined up with Amazon that we never thought would have. Uh, you know, this was obviously part of their, this was part of their plan all along, and I highly doubt it just came out of the blue, but they knew that that was one of their shifts they had to make based on what their customers want or what their customers expect. So whether it's in the case, I believe, is it Kohl's and Amazon, Jose? I believe, yes. I think it's Kohl's that's handling <clears throat> many of Amazon's returns. They're also Correct. selling some, you know, Amazon product there, kind of acting as like a little bit of a brick and mortar arm for Amazon. So instead of them going out and opening Amazon stores, it is them reaching in, you know, getting their getting their claws into these other existing successful retailers out there and helping them not only expand and stay alive, but helping Amazon get in there and, and, and spread uh, like a fungus. Um, I mean, like a like the good re retailer that they are. Uh, <laughs> and so the uh, everything else here that, that we have on this list, we're not going to get too deep into. But yes, Jose, I think you summed it up perfectly. And we highly, highly, highly recommend if you work in retail in any retailer uh, to take a look at this this report. It'll 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 really open your eyes if they're not already open on uh, lots of lots of happenings across across the economy, across your shoppers and uh, the system itself. So good stuff. Good stuff. So, hey, I've been excited to, to talk about this for the entire episode, Jose, because, you know, this is this is a new thing, this episode. And <laughs> I want to start this new uh, new segment called I need some like reverb here. Weirdest news of the week. Um, and so this is <laughs> this is our new segment, the weirdest news of the week. And it's bringing you the most what inducing shocking emoji face news of the week for retail. And this week. Is one of my favorites, and I, I thought she was from the 90s, but I think it might be from the 2000s. I don't really know anymore. Time just flies. Uh, but she has resurfaced in a, in a fairly epic way, sort of. Actually, she's done more epic things than this, but that's a whole different conversation. So Paris Hilton, uh, she has launched an all-natural in big, 
big quotes, all natural. Skincare line starting with a rosewater misbranded thing called Unicorn Mist. So Paris Hilton is launching skincare line called Unicorn Mist. Let's just sit on that for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and and it, it, she says it's all natural, first of all. And if you look deeper into it, I'm not going to you know, be a negative nanny here, but it's not all natural. There's lots of weird stuff in there, apparently. If you look at some of the ingredients. Uh, I'm no skincare expert, but... It, there is some weird stuff in there if you look at some of the ingredients. And I did. I looked. I did my research. And there's not all natural stuff in there unless you can find an alcohol methylate or whatever it is uh, pond somewhere. Uh, but anyway, don't be distracted by her history or her, you know, if you've been to her Instagram account, she is actually a really savvy businesswoman. And I, this this is weirdest news of the week, but there is a little bit here I think that we can all look at and, and say, wow, um, she's... She's launched 23 successful scents. I think that means, and that was quite, that was a quote I found. She launched 23 successful scents. I'm guessing that means this type of stuff, or also it means perfumes. Yes, things exactly. like that, right? And there's another right. weird known fact about Paris Hilton. She's known as one of the world's top DJs. I had no idea that she was a DJ. I, I had no idea. Didn't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe in Vegas or LA. I don't know what the deal is there, but apparently she gets around a million a gig. So that is wow. that is amazing i'm a little um, old school because i thought tiesto was one of the top djs yeah i think okay. he is he's still in he's still in vegas remember i was there in last year or something and then he was still doing his thing there so it's not that old school still still there uh yeah and so this this whole line and i think hey millennials i'm staring at you i, I think she, i think you're uh, her target market here i think i i can't i can't tell i'm not sure i i'm not trying to to label uh, Jose, keep me keep me in line here, because I tend to say things I shouldn't. But anyway, according to the press release, the full skincare line will be available in early 18. So if you want to get your hands on some unicorn mist from uh, from our favorite Paris Hilton, really, be our guest. So, weirdest news of, the, <laughs> news of the week, Jose. Let me let me pick up on something you said there. Uh-oh. Right, savvy businesswoman. I would agree with that, right? Because yeah. if you think of what is going on here, really. Okay, what's going on here really is she is picked up on a trend and a bright spot that we brought up in the show uh, at different points in time in retail that actually is a growing category. And what have been some of the more, like, let's say, important categories throughout this, let's say, retail evolution? We've seen off price continue to be, be an important, let's say, category overall. Right, there have been missteps here and there, but generally it's been a pretty robust category. Yes. We've also seen uh, beauty. Beauty has been another growth area. Companies like Sephora, Alta, getting into Glossier, getting into the mix here, and she's on the bandwagon. And she's I on think- the bandwagon, Jose. But she used that that phrase that's going to get her in trouble. I think all natural. <laughs> Yeah. All natural. I mean, she's she's claiming all natural. And when you if you get the natives riled up about all natural with skincare and it's not all natural, then she's going to have some problems here. Because to be honest, I mean, I was I was reading an article on this. I think it was on Forbes. There is mm-hmm. an ingredient, a third ingredient. And I, I missed I misspoke earlier. It's called alcohol denatured. And that immediately rung a bell for me because um, just from, you know, times of painting a house for example when you're looking at a can of paint or using paint thinners that's a solvent used in paint thinners um so you're putting that on your face not good 
Um, and you know, there's there's other ingredients too. But point is, is that she's perhaps carelessly using that term "all natural" in a world where, like you just said, with Sephora and uh, other <clears throat> clean—they're calling them clean beauty outposts. Um, uh, Credo Beauty, and there's another one called Fulane, if I'm saying it correctly. Sure. And uh, they are, you know, very much against that. So we'll have to see how this all turns out for her. But I think she just needs to maybe pay attention to what's actually in her product. Or I, I would be cynical and say, uh, well, yeah, of course. It, it's in caps because it isn't all natural, which is why it is all natural, which right. goes with the persona. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> oh, Paris. Okay. Well, anyway, th that's our news of the week. Uh, well, weird news of the week, I guess you could say. And we're going to try to drum up something like this every week, every time we do an episode at least, and uh, and see if we can see if we can have some fun with it. So uh, go get your, uh, your unicorn mist in early 2018, everyone. <laughs> well, that's the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Questions, comments, feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com and find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast apps. And uh, just a reminder or just a quick note, we will be at uh, NRF Big Show in New York City in January this year doing our thing. Uh, and we would love to say hi, meet anyone that's there, or just have a coffee, let us know, get us on our email, get us on Twitter, at BrickDatacast. We're always around and, uh, and would love to chat. So that's that. Jose, hey, thanks. And we will talk to everyone real soon. Thanks. Bye.